Welcome to the first episode of World's Finest Podcast. Michael David Sims, and with me is James Doe. Hello, hello. And as fans of Batman the Animated Series and all of the shows that it has spawned, that being Superman the Animated Series, Batman Beyond, Justice League, and that includes Zeta Project and even Static Shock, James and I decided that we would sit down and record a weekly podcast dedicated to reviewing every single episode of every single one of those shows. Right, James? Yes. Right. DC Animated Universe. Exactly, exactly. And uh, starting with Batman, the animated series, what we're going to do is, is we're going to be reviewing these five at a time, and we're going to be reviewing these by production number and not air date, because that will allow us to discuss the evolution of the show and the DC Animated Universe as a whole. And we're going to be looking at things like animation, dialogue, plot, character development. All that's going to be scrutinized, and we'll be sure to point out little tidbits and Easter eggs along the way that you might have missed. Can we get into the first episode then? Sure. Okay, why don't you start us off with On Leather Wings? All right, uh, let's see. Well, I think in ways you can tell that this is the first episode, uh, because you, uh, little things you notice during the episode, like the Batmobile being shown well, for more, more than ten seconds. And, um, go ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry, before you get into that, why don't you give a little plot summary? Oh, sure. Uh, basically, this is the origin of Man-Bat. That was the basic plot line in a nutshell. Yeah. And... It's where you first get to see uh, Harvey Bullock and his distrust of Batman and mm-hmm. how he wants to get rid of him. But then you get to see uh, Jim Gordon and his overall trust of Batman. So, yeah, that's really about it. Yeah, that's really it. It's, it's Batman's being blamed for these crimes because there's a giant bat running around breaking the pharmaceutical companies. And who else is doing that besides Batman? Nobody knows there's a man bat running around. And right. Batman's basically got to clear his good name while uh, trying to cure man bat of what's caused him to turn into man bat. So, yeah, so I'm sorry. Now, what were you saying before? Well, I think uh, you can tell it's the first episode because mm-hmm. of things like the Batmobile being shown for more than 10 seconds straight in the same frame. Yeah, like you they get, want you to see, oh, it's the Batmobile. You yeah, you, you get that huge time. intro with the Batmobile. You get it, he starts it up, and he's driving it through the cave. You never see him drive it through the cave in any episode beyond this one. No, I, th- I take that back. I think in episode two or three, we see it driving through the cave one more time. But normally, he just le- he jumps in the Batmobile, the door opens, and he's out. But there's this whole thing where he's going through this tunnel, and then he's going down the streets. You know, they, they had to show, as you said, ooh, look, it's the Batmobile. It's cool. It's hip. I think the next thing I noticed was that uh, uh, Alfred was not voiced by Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. Yeah, now, who's, right. who is the actor on this one? Clive uh, Revel. Okay. I that's how it's pronounced. Okay. And I, I really did not like his, uh, I guess, his uh, voiceover of Alfred. I think Zimbalist was a much better Alfred. You know what, though? I don't know if it's fair 
to be comparing the first episode to what you know the first epi- Alfred in the first episode to the Alfred that would appear later. Sure, it's not necessarily yeah, no, fair because we're using hindsight to judge, and I don't sure. think we can necessarily do that. But they did stick with uh, symbols. I think after like the third episode on, I think it's him. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He's nothing to fear. The last laugh is one of the first episodes he appears in. Let's see what else. Actually, I think the animation for the most part was really good for it being just the first episode. Oh, it is absolutely solid. Absolutely except, solid. Except for, like, a few lip-syncing parts, like with the random cops and SWAT team members, their voice, or their lip-syncing is awful. But other than that, it's really good. I, I did not notice that in the slightest. I think the best part, animation-wise, is when uh, Batman is attached to Man Bat with his grappling hook. Oh, my God. Flying through the rafters. That's, oh, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, and then when they're going around the blimp, Mm-hmm. When they're when they're at the police, it's uh, the second time we see the dirigible, right? And right. they're they're just flying around it, and it's just so cinematic. It's unbelievable how they were able to pull that off. I mean, this is this was a cartoon. You don't think of them being able to do something like that, and it looks like the sh- a shot out of, a mo- out of a out of a movie. It absolutely looks like it's out of a, f- a feature film, you know. And then when Batman smacks his face into the window, and there's that giant thud, it's like oh, it's like it's just a cartoon. But you can feel it. You actually just you just feel the pain. You just feel his cheek just just shattering. It's it's so nasty. Yep. The, an, the animation in my mind in this episode is just is just perfect. I know you said you point out the lip syncing thing, but I, I didn't notice any of that. For me, the animation here is just spot on. Right. Like, I agree. Except for and then, like I said, the lip syncing was it, the only problems I had with it was like with the police, okay. the SWAT team. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Uh, what about me? Anim- Animation-wise, or just... Or just overall? Overall, I really dig this episode. It's probably uh, my favorite one out of the first five. Um, you know, you, it starts out, and you just get everything about Batman and this new take on Batman. Previously, when we saw Batman on TV, you know, he was laughing it up with Robin. You know, there were many... The shark repellent right, spray. exactly. From the TV show, they were, you know, they, they were they were bosom buddies, and they, you know they were chums. They were always having fun. When you saw them in other cartoons, like the Super Friends, again, it's the happy-go-lucky Batman of the '60s. Uh, they're, they're, they meet Scooby Doo. That's the way we've always seen them. And then this cartoon comes along, and it, it you know, it, it picked up where Tim Burton left off with the 1989 or 88. Was that 89? It was 89. Right, the 89 feature film. And it's just, it's dark. There's parts of this episode where I really have to, like, squint to see what's going on. You know, like, like especially when you see, uh, right after Man Bat's transformation, right around the edges, it's like they purposely made them extra dark. You know, but you get it. You get that Batman's dark. You get that he's brooding. You get that he's a loner. This first episode doesn't have Robin. It barely features Alfred at all. You, you get that he just hangs out in this cave and just broods all day, and it's this absolutely new Batman, and I love the fact that they were able to convey that in a cartoon, that they were able to get, that, that, that they were able to get away with that. It's just amazing to me. And it's good that they chose a uh, villain like Man-Bat to enhance that darkness, because Man-Bat's a grotesque. Right, exactly. I mean, they could have easily started with the Joker or the Riddler or something familiar, but they didn't. They went with basically a monster and and just said, look, this is a completely different world than what you've seen before. We're going to introduce you to villains that have been here all along, but you didn't know they were there because, for whatever reason, the other shows didn't show them. James, what what, what else do you want to say? Uh, That's all I've got on my little... 
uh, cheat sheet here that I was doing. I, think I was doing as I watched each of these episodes over again. Yeah, I took I took pretty extensive notes here. Um, then I'll keep going if you don't mind. Go ahead. Um, I love the two face setup when we're in Mayor Hill's office. Oh yeah, where he's flipping the coin. Yeah, not only yeah. not only is he flipping the coin, but his coin hand is in shadow. If you notice it. When he's sitting, yeah, it, watch it again. Next time you're watching this episode, just look at his right hand where he's putting that point. It's in shadow, which is, you know, just a little artistic hint that that's going to be his dark side. Let's see. As I said, you know, when you watch this episode, you instantly get Batman. You instantly get what the whole cartoon's going to be about from start to finish. With this first episode, you also get Harvey Bullock. You get that he he's he's rude. He's he's filthy. And he's, he's he's not a pleasure to be around, but he's, he's a poster child of bad cop. Right, he, but at the same time, he's a bad cop, but he's a good cop at the same right. time. Right, you know, you, and you understand that, you know, he doesn't like this freak helping the cops out. He thinks the cops should be out there doing their job and getting it done, and he doesn't want this guy in a mask upstaging him and the and the cops under him. You know, so you're right. He's the bad cop, but he's also the good cop at the same time. Um, other things I noticed: the grappling line. He doesn't shoot it and then slide down, or uh, shoot it and then grab onto the gun and fling himself across or whatever he does. He shoots it, and he's got a little bar that he attaches to it. Right. You like, know, uh, uh, what's the word? I couldn't think of it either. Top line or something line. I don't know. But yeah, he, he shoots it into the wall, and then he attaches a bar to it and just slides down. I don't think he does that in any other episode. Does he? Not that I can recall off the top of my head. From from the what I remember is he'll always throw the batarang with a line attached to it, or he's got his little gun. I don't even know what that thing is called. Do you know what it's called? His little grappling gun? I'm sure it's got some quirky bat name. Yeah. But I don't know. Bat grapple. Yeah, something. Um Let's just see. I'm just I'm just going through my notes right here. Now, remember when Batman breaks into the pharmaceutical company? Uh he there's a cop sitting in a chair reading a book and he gasses that cop. I think it's a female cop. She's reading a book that says, P.S., your dog is gone. And do you know anything about that? I, I was looking at Wiki, seeing if there was like an inside joke or something that the animators threw in there. And I couldn't find anything. Do you know anything about that? No. Actually, I didn't, I didn't see that. Yeah, she's sitting there. I, again, I think it's a female cop. It could be a guy cop. But leaning in the chair, you know you know when Batman goes in and he's... Uh, remember there's a crime scene where the, the security guard gets thrown around? Right. Well, when Batman goes in to check on that, he has to pass the security guard. So he knocks her out, and she's got this book in her hand. And I zoomed in on it, because there's, there's words handwritten on there. And it says, P.S., your dog is missing. And I, I was looking on Wiki, I was looking elsewhere, and I could find nothing. It's got to be some sort of inside joke. You know, but I, I was really hoping you knew. Yeah. I wish I could help you out, but yeah. I, I didn't see that, and I've never heard of that phrase being used before in, like, fiction or whatever. Yeah, like I said, it, it's got to be something with the animators. You yeah. know, where whoever animated that scene just threw it in there as, as a gag to, to one of the other people on the show. Um yeah. And one of the things I appreciate about this show, or I should say appreciate, excuse me, about this show, not necessarily this episode, but all the episodes in general, is that they took a lot of risks with their quieter moments. They would let the action and the music carry the scene instead of having Batman do a lot of witty banter and puns. Now, there is witty banter and there are puns, but there's, there's those very cinematic, high-action moments that are just absolutely carried by the music. And, and it helps that, you know, they've got the Burton score, and they've got, oh, what's the, uh, the woman? I'm so glad they got Danny Elfman to do the theme. Yeah, I'm sorry, I said Burton score, right, I meant Danny Elfman. Who was the woman that, that did the show? Was it Shirley something? 
it was uh, Shirley. God, what was her name? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I see her name at the end of every episode. I, I know. It is Shirley something, though, isn't it? Yeah, it is definitely Shirley something. Oh, man, now I can't. Oh, well, that's going to bug the hell out of me. But uh, <laughs> it helps that they got someone as talented as her to, to, to score this show, because if they went with traditional cartoon music, it wouldn't work. These needed right. to feel, each episode needed to feel like a little movie, like a 22-minute movie, and that music really gets that point across, I think. Yeah, there isn't a single uh, opening intro theme that I dislike. Yeah. They're all either you know, the catchy in an orchestral way, mm-hmm. or they're just dark like they're supposed to be. Right, exactly, exactly. When Batman is, is escaping the building, um, when he, you know, he, he was in the, in the, he had gassed the female officer and he's searching around, looking for any clues he can find about what's going on with this other Batman or Man-Bat or whatever it is, because at the time, he, still at this time, he doesn't know what's going on. He, he grabs a cop and he goes diving out a window right when, like, that entire, like, fourth or fifth floor explodes. Do you remember that scene I'm talking about? Yeah, I remember. Do you remember how that explosion happened? Uh, the cops threw a tear gas grenade into the into that room that the, that the two of them were in, and some, somehow that caused the explosion. Right, it butted up against some like paint cans or something, or some gas cans that just happened to be laying there. Okay, right. Batman and that one cop escaped, but those three or four other cops who threw the grenade, there is no way in hell you cannot tell me that they got out. Those cops clearly died. Absolutely, clearly got blown up because the entire floor. It wasn't just like one room exploded. Like, every window on, like, the fourth or fifth floor of that building went up in, a, in just flames. And I thought it was really risky on their part, and I can't believe they got away with it. I can't believe the censors didn't say, wait, how did those cops get out? Because there's no way they got out. So right there, we got four dead cops in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a cartoon. You know, what would be classified as a kid's show. But again, it's driving home the point that this is a darker show, and you better get used to it. Did you ever- I, think, I think they probably got away with it because it wasn't shown on screen. Like, you never, ever saw a person die on screen uh, on the Batman oh, animated series right. that I can remember. Right, exactly. I, I understand it. But at the same time, like I said, if you just think about it, there's no way they got out of, the, out of that building or off that floor. Those guys are toast. They're, they're dead right there. Let's see. And I absolutely love Dr. Langstrom's design. If you look at him, he's got that very attractive... He's chiseled. Right, exactly. He's got a very attractive chiseled look to him, but he's also very creepy. So when he turns into Man-Bat, you know, they're kind of setting it up that it's going to be his father-in-law that's Man-Bat. You know, because they want you to think it's him. Cause the, that's, red, the red herring. Right, exactly. They're, so, they're always so good at Exactly. But when you look at Dr. Langstrom, it's like, no, man, there's something creepy about him. You just you just ignore the other guy. Look at Langstrom. You know, that that's your Man-Bat right there. Um, so I, I love his design there. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay. It's, like I said, I'm, I've always been a big fan of uh, the writers and all the DC shows with their ability to throw out the red herrings mm-hmm. and still get you to believe them. Yeah. Then there's the scene where Batman's in the cave and Alfred brings him the phone. And I believe uh, it's the, uh, the father-in-law, the scientist, Dr. Langstrom's father-in-law that's calling. And I am right, that's his father-in-law, right? Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. Uh, I wish I could remember that scientist's name. But when Batman takes the phone call, he switches his voice to Bruce. And that's the first time I've ever seen that. Right, right. He, does, he doesn't do the dark, 
gritty voice that he would as Batman. Right, yeah. When you watch the old TV show, Bruce Wayne and Batman sound the same. Adam West never bothered to change his voice. So, at least as far as I remember, he didn't change his voice. So, when I, I would read Batman comics, it never dawned on me that he would do that. That if he was talking to someone as Batman, who might know him as Bruce Wayne, I never thought, oh, he's going to change his voice. It's just, oh, they just don't realize it's Bruce. But here he goes from Batman from the very gruff to the, hey, Doctor, whatever your name is, what's going on? In fact, Dr. March, that was That's it, yeah. In fact, he says, what's up, Doc, which, of course, is a hilarious line with this being a Warner Brothers cartoon, Mm -hmm. and with the fact that the guys who created this show used to work on Tiny Toons. So, you know, you know they threw it in because of that. You know, as a throwback to what they were working on before. Um, but yeah, that, that voice thing—it just—it just goes to show what a great voice actor. Um, and I just lost his name. Oh my Kevin god, Kevin Conroy. Kevin Conroy. I wanted to call him Tim something, thinking of Bruce Tim. You're right, Kevin Conroy. It just goes to see what an awesome, awesome voice actor that man is, because he makes you believe he's both Bruce Wayne and Batman at the same time. Just two more things I want to add. One, the blood on Batman. Oh yeah, where he's picking it up with the tweezers. The, you mean the bloodstained, uh, was it, handkerchief? No, what are you talking about? The bloodstained handkerchief. Remember, uh, he, God, am I thinking of the same episode? I don't think so. I'm talking about after he and Mambat fall out of the sky, Batman's face is all scratched up and he's bleeding. Hmm. I must be thinking of one of the other five episodes you, that we're, we're going to discuss. Maybe, hmm. I don't know. But yeah, they're, like, they're, they're, fall, they're going through the sky and they fall and they hit a building and Batman looks up and the, the police chopper shines their light on uh, both Batman and Man-Bat and Batman's mm-hmm. face is scratched and bleeding and I can't remember another time where Batman bled throughout the entire run of the show. Now, you're saying there might be another time. Oh, no, I just remember it was. It was in Pretty Poison where he's analyzing uh, oh, Tim's blood. Right, right, right. Where we see blood, but again, we rarely yeah, see blood in the show at all. What's it's that? not on his body. No, it's not in his body at all, but again, okay, so Batman's really messed up in the first episode, then we see dense blood in the fifth episode, but was there any blood seen elsewhere in the other 83, because there are 85 episodes, so we're, in the other 83 episodes, did we ever see blood? You know? Nothing I can recall. Yeah, exactly. So again, another risk that, that they took to show that, look, this is not necessarily a kid's cartoon. Deal with it, you know? And then the other one, the other thing I wanted to mention was when Batman and Man-Bat are flying through the sky, Batman is beating the shit out of Man-Bat. He is on his back, riding him like a horse, and he just keeps laying these right-hand punches into his face over and over. It is brutal. It is so nasty how brutal he is beating the crap out of this poor creature. When you, real, you, you wonder why, if he, in the heat of the moment, didn't remember that that's just a human being. Yeah. I mean, granted, he's got to take him down, but, man, he is just laying into him. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. But, um, yes, yeah, so that's all I have to say about that episode. So, yep. do you want to move on to Christmas with the Joker? Sure. Okay, and then we should let everybody know that what we're going to do is, once we've spoken about all five, we're then going to give a score out of ten for each one. Do you want to give us the plot synopsis of Christmas with the Joker? Okay. Well, as uh, the uh, production number would go, this is the first episode with the Joker. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, Joker breaks out of Arkham. This is weird because we're given the assumption that Joker has already been put into Arkham by Batman mm-hmm. before this episode happened. Right. Uh, and he 
breaks out. He ki- he kidnaps uh, Commissioner Gordon, his wife, and Harvey Bullock, right? No, that's, I think that's uh, Summer Gleason. Oh, it was Summer Gleason. Yeah, right. It's never said, but it's Summer's design. It's her hair. Right. Yeah. And I think it's the same voice actress, because I think she only has, like, one line where she says, my mother's on that train, and Joker laughs, and I, I'm pretty sure it's the same voice actress. Yeah. But he, and, you know, Joker gives his little, oh, you've got a time limit, and if you don't get here by that time, uh, they're dead, mm-hmm. and I'm going to laugh. <laughs> so that's basically about it for that, that plot summary. Right, exactly. Um, there's, a, there's a little something I, I want to mention with this episode. You mentioned this the first episode with the, with the Joker, correct? Right. Now, if you look in the audience, this episode technically features the first appearance of uh, Rene Montoya. You know how when he's in the TV studio and he's got all those cardboard cutouts in the audience? Mm-hmm. One of the cutouts is of Rene, Rene Montoya. Really? Even though she technically... Because I, remember, I remember looking in there and seeing Robin and Gordon and uh-huh. we uh, see, Batman. Right. We see, I think, Two-Face, not Two-Face, but Harvey's there, I think Bullock's there, but there is a Rene, Rene Montoya in that audience. But she wouldn't appear until, like, episode four or five. But they were already they already knew they were going to introduce this character, so they just threw this little silhouette of her in there. I thought it was pretty neat that they did that. Just kind of like how in the first episode they, they, you know, we meet Harvey Dent for the first time and they're setting up that he's going to turn into Two-Face. I like how they're throwing in... Uh, just, uh, just uh, you know, she's not going to become a big, right? Yeah, she's not going to become a big part of the show, but she's still a background character that pops up from time to time. And they're like, oh, we'll put her in here because she's going to become a familiar face. Yeah, and she's going to provide the foil character to Bullock. Um, so what do you have to say about this one? Actually, I'm not really a big fan of this episode. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because well, the animation was lousy. It's terrible. The dialogue wasn't much better. Right. Because a, a lot of moments it goes into like Adam West Batman. <laughs> With the puns and yes. the, oh, I knew I should have thought of that. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Right. I think really my favorite part of this episode was when Batman gets the pie in the face. It's just so random. Yeah. Th- this whole thing was just about putting a pie in Batman's face. Yeah. That's all it was. Yeah, that's funny, but besides that, I'm with you. I hate this episode. I, yeah. I hate oh, it so much. There's also that where, when uh, uh, Grayson is asking Batman if he ever seen It's a Wonderful uh-huh. Life, and he says, I can never get past the title. Mm-hmm. I like that. It was kind of, that was kind of uh, witty in a way. It's witty, sarcastic. Exactly, uh, but yeah. it shows you how depressing a man Bruce Wayne is. Right. That man, no one would be able to hang around him for more than like two minutes. You know, it's like, he, oh, he is so sad. He is such a sad character. And that, that one line, I couldn't get past the title, just shows it right there. But, as you said, it's also kind of funny, too, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, but what other what gripes do you have with this episode, besides what you've kind of already listed? How was Robin there if it was just the second episode? Oh, you would have liked an origin of Robin? Well, I mean, it just make I don't know, it just doesn't make much sense to me that Robin would be there in that episode, and then he doesn't appear in several other episodes, and he comes back, and he's there, and he's back, he's there. It's, you know, I don't know, you know what it is? Sense. It's, and I know we'll find this out later on, but this is the way I always justified it to myself: is Robin is c- clearly older, so he's in college, and if this is a Christmas episode, he's home from college, and he's hanging around with Bruce, watching, trying to watch It's a Wonderful Life. And, of course, they can't do that because they got to go out and stop the Joker. That's how I justify Robin being there and not being there. It's whenever he's there, it's either a weekend or spring break. And when he's not there, he's away at school. Hmm. And ooh, I, guess I, can, I guess I could buy that. Because think about it. I, I don't think we find out until the uh, first appearance of Rachel Gould that Robin is in college. Ooh, that's way down Which is, right. So it doesn't get mentioned until then. But 
it was always in the back of my head. It's like always clearly an older Robin. We're not looking at a 15, 16-year-old who might be in high school or something and still hanging around the mansion. No, he's clearly away at school. Well, that's logical. I can buy it. I'm trying to think of something else that stood out to me. Good or bad. <laughs> that annoyed me. Well, mostly bad because, I, I, like I said, okay. I hated this episode. I have a question for you. Sure. What the hell is Operation Cause and Effect? Do you know what I'm now, talking about? Yeah, I remember. No, no, no. And what I mean is, what is it? All Robin does know. is, like, throw a batarang at something, or whatever. There is, what, what is he throw? What, a batarang at the turret, didn't he? Yeah, and it, well, it was the... I'm trying to remember he, what he did. Did Robin end up destroying the uh, observatory cannon? I think he did, didn't he? Yeah, he threw something at the cannon, which caused it to explode, or caused it to overload, which then saved Batman's ass. But it's still like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. It's like... Why call it Operation Cause and Effect? It's just Operation Throw a Batarang at something. Yeah, it's just Effect. Yeah. <laughs> it's Operation Effect. Yes, it is. I guess it was mildly amusing to hear Joker singing uh, Jingle Bells, Batman Smells. That is. Um, I, I, one thing I really do like about this episode is the Joker's Christmas tree, not the one he escapes on from the asylum, but the one he has in the background of the TV show. It is so Charlie Brown. It's just that really pathetic stick with a couple of ornaments on it. It can't even stand up. I mean, after, like, the first minute, it just falls over. And it's, 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 I think that was a nice nod to Charlie Brown, because I'm a big Charlie Brown fan, those old cartoons. I love those things so much. So anytime I see that Charlie Brown Christmas tree, I'm like, oh, there's a Charlie Brown Christmas tree. Um, did you happen to notice that in this episode there's a color TV? All the other ones, or all the other ones, black and white. Most of the show. time, most of the time. Um, and if you listen to the commentary tracks on some of the episodes, Paul Dini, or actually Paul Dini and Bruce Timmel always say that they tried to make every TV black and white, so this way it kept that feel as if it was from the 1940s. Mm-hmm. So this way it felt like um, it felt like it fit in with the cars and the building and the general design, and. Uh, but every now and then they'd screw up and they'd throw in a color TV. And this is one of the ones where there's a color TV. I wasn't sure if you noticed that. No, I didn't. Yeah. Oh, how about the uh, the uh, candy canes being the, the muzzles? Yeah, for the, what? For the three characters. How can you, well, you, you're just going to leave it there, you can't spit it out? I, I'm thinking maybe there was super glue on them. And then, oh, but Joker takes them off and puts them back. I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm just trying to figure out something. Maybe when he rips it off, it hurts, and they just don't happen to yell. I don't know. It's pathetic. This episode is an abortion. Yeah. I, and what's sad is it's the first Joker episode. The first Joker yeah. episode should have been, like, awesome. You know what the first Joker episode should have been, in my opinion? Be a clown. You know, I think that's episode, I got the list right here. It's episode nine, which we'll talk about next time we get, uh, we have the chance to sit down. That's the one where the Joker, I think, uh, abducts Mayor Hill's son. Yeah, that, to me, should have been the first Joker episode. But they start with this piece of garbage for him. Oh, my God, from top to bottom. This one is just embarrassing. It is very cartoony. Yeah, and, it is. And, that's all you can say about it. It's, it is a cartoon. It's not like... Uh, an animated show. Right. I, guess. I hate using euphemisms, but there is a difference in this case. Absolutely. You, as I said, you look at uh, On Leather Wings and you see an animated movie with the music and the action and the plot and the, the story and the dialogue. It's, it's, it's almost perfect. And then you get to Christmas with the Joker and it's just a cartoon for kids. And they could have went, they could have done so much better for the first Joker episode, in my opinion. 
Um, but I can't complain about Mark Hamill because he did a fantastic Joker. No, exactly. No matter what he was in. Exactly. You know, you, you give Mark Hamill the Joker, and he and he's going to score with it. You're right. You know, the, it does score points for that, and that's why later on when we do give our uh, scores out of ten, I won't give this one a zero because of him. Yeah. Because he's he's just awesome, and they couldn't have cast it any better, in my opinion. Um, do you want to move on, or do you want to stay with this piece of shit episode? Yeah, let's not dwell on this. So then we go on to Nothing to Fear. Yeah, go ahead and give us a uh, plot summary. Okay, basically it's the first episode starring the Scarecrow. And he is breaking into Gotham State University, constantly tormenting this university, uh, because it turns out in the past, when he was Professor, professor Jonathan Crane, they, uh, they pulled his funding and uh, kicked him out of the university, fired him, whatever, um, because they didn't like uh, the experiments he was running and the, the lengths he would go to to, to to study fear. So now, yeah, he's, he's just basically trying to destroy the university. And primarily his former boss, what was his name? It was Dr. something, or Professor uh, something. I'm not remembering it. Let me see if I can pull it up real quick here. Uh, what do we got here? What do we got here? Okay, I ain't got it. I can't find it. But basically, um, Batman gets gassed. Uh, he, he, he takes in the fear toxin. And so not only are we, do we have the main plot of the Scarecrow trying to bring down this university and his former employer, but we also get this subplot of Bruce trying to deal with... Um, uh, his his daddy issues basically because mm-hmm. he's got some major daddy issues and they come out big time in this one and I think that this one really brought the adult themes back to the show after Christmas with the Joker you know Absolutely. we went from a cartoon to another animated feature again they they really they really <coughs> stepped up with this one and it, this this to me was uh, it's not the perfect episode, and it's not even one of my favorite episodes, but it's it's a big improvement over the last episode, is, is what I'm trying to get out there. Well, there's ton- it's an episode of firsts. There's tons of firsts in this episode. It's the first, obviously, appearance of Scarecrow, mm-hmm. but then it's the first look inside Batman's psyche. Right. And it's the first time you see Alfred be the soother and the confidant who keeps, you know, Batman... Uh, off of the edge of insanity. That is true. I didn't think about that. And, and it's the first uh, view of the Waynes at the Gotham Cemetery. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Yeah. Um, what, I, what I really like about this episode is the fact that, you know, Bruce Wayne, he has to keep up that playboy image. He has to do it. He has to sleep around and show up late for work and do all that. He just, he just has to, okay? Yeah. But it's interesting to see how doing that hurts him personally. Because now all these uh, former colleagues of his father, they see Bruce, and they're disappointed in him. And they know that uh, Thomas Wayne would be disappointed in his son. And all this, and that hurts Bruce inside, because he doesn't want to act this way. He wants to be who he really is, but he can't. And I thought that was really... Again, I'm going to use this word a lot, risky. Risky on their part to show it. Because, again, it's just a cartoon. And they're getting really depressing here. Well, and how about when the animation where they turned... Thomas Wayne into that death-looking thing. Oh, at the end? Skeleton creature. Yeah. Lord. Uh-huh. That, that just shows you right there what, you know, how deep Bruce's daddy issues go. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what else do you have to say about this episode here? 
fantastic episode. I, I, like I said, you said it's not one of my favorites, but I recognize that it's a all-around great episode. Okay. See, I think good it's dialogue, slightly... Good animation, okay. the whole nine yards. I think it's slightly better than average. So why don't, why don't you kind of talk about whatever, whatever that whatever makes it great for you here. Well, like I said, it's, it all has to do with the firsts. Mm. When, you know, you get... Uh, when you when Scarecrow gasses Batman, uh, immediately it's the whole issue with oh my god I, I've disappointed my father and that's and uh, what am I trying to say here <laughs> I'm trying to put it into words uh, but yeah like you said it's really risky the way they did that because this they wanted it to be a kids show or what or whatever right and that's definitely not something that. Uh, you would put in a kid's show up until that point. Right, right. Yeah. So. And it also shows you that those those uh, fears of Bruce's run deep, but they're also on the surface. Because he's the second he's shot, they come out. Well, yeah, and when he, when, uh, was, it, was it Dr. Long? Was Dr. That Long, name? that's it, yeah. Yeah, when he's uh, insulting Bruce next to Summer Gleason in the elevator, mm-hmm. and, you know, Immediately when both of those two get off the elevator, you can see the look on Bruce's face. Yeah, those doors close on him, and he just dips his head. He doesn't say anything. He just dips his head, and it's like, oh, you know, he he knows... It's another one of those non-dialogue moments that you were talking about earlier. Right, and I, I was looking at some of these episodes, and uh, like this one and On Leather Wings, there is not a lot of dialogue. It, their scripts had to be a, pretty damn short for some of these. Because it's just a lot of action or a lot of uh, subtle motions and movements where they just let the art carry the story and carry the characters, you know. Well, I think in the first and third episodes it worked very well. Oh, very, very much so. Um, something I found interesting with this episode, though, is if you look at the first one, if you look at On Leather Wings, it's very clear, or it would appear to be clear, that On Leather Wings takes place early in Batman's career because the cops, they don't trust him yet. And Gordon, he's sort of on Batman's side, but... He wants to trust Batman. Right, but he's still going out there in the chopper to capture him before he knows that it's Man-Bat that's doing all these things. Well, if you look at this episode, the cops are now suddenly on Batman's side. When he comes out of the vault after the fire has been extinguished, the police officers run up to him and they're like, Batman, what happened? Instead of, like, apprehending the guy who they were chasing two episodes ago. Yeah. So there's been a... Either it's either a continuity glitch, or you have to assume that a lot of time has passed between On Leather Wings and Nothing to Fear. Right. You know. Or that, you know, and Jim Gordon has a lot to do with that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So why don't you can continue with what you were saying about this episode? What what made it stand out for you? What else? Uh, like I said earlier, the, the uh, Alfred playing the role of surrogate father, that which is always been huge in Batman lore. Yeah. I mean, you know, Batman would not be alive if it, was, if it were not for Alfred. No, he has saved his life countless times. And that's really the first time you see that in the series, which yeah. I loved. Yeah. And then the whole, then the cemetery thing, I mean, showing a uh, darkened, uh, stormy cemetery in a kid's show. Hmm. Yeah, that episode ends on a downbeat. It is not an upbeat. He is standing there in front of a, 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 a monument, and he's got his sunglasses on, and he's in mourning, and he walks away, and the music is depressing. And the more I'm talking about this episode, the more I'm starting to like it. It's really weird. 
Because I've never liked this episode, but the more I'm talking about it with you, the more it, it's the, the better it seems to be. I don't know. I don't know. Accept its greatness. <laughs> um, um, oh, did you? Here's something. Did you notice that the uh, security guard was reading a Tiny Toon Adventures comic book? Yes, that is. That's a really nice little thing they threw in there. You know, I, I just love when they do stuff like that. Again, with what you said earlier, where the Joker was singing, you know, Jingle Bells, Batman Smells, and now there's a little in-joke there where if you know the joke, you get it. If you don't, you don't. You're just like, oh, he's reading a Tiny Toons comic. Big deal. All right. The, the other thing I wanted to mention about this episode that I really liked uh, was Bullock calling Batman Zora, yeah. which is, you know, when Batman's parents were gunned down, they, were, they had seen the mark of Zora. Right. So... I thought that was a nice little uh, inclusion. Yeah, definitely, definitely. That that is a moment that does stand out for me, where I, where I go, yeah, that that's really cool. And I give a little point for that. Like I said, I think the episode's a, a, a slightly above average, and that's one of the reasons why I think so. You know, just just kind of self-referencing the lore. Yeah. The only thing, one thing, uh, this is just me being uh, my interest in chemistry. Uh, the water sprinklers would yes. not have put out a gas fire. Exactly. They would have. It would have made it worse. Right. Yeah. Indeed. But, you know, that's just me being a nerd. <laughs> Let's see. Can I can I kind of bring up some of the things, or did you have more? No, I'm actually done. Go ahead. Alfred's dry sarcasm is, 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 is just on in this episode. I mean, you're right, he does play the father figure, he does soothe Bruce, but, it, but before he knows anything is wrong with Bruce, he's putting away the cowl, and he says, this is a quote here, I wrote it down, someone dressed up in a frightening outfit... Wait, someone dressed up in a frightening costume surpri- uh, surprising people, or scaring people, that's it, scaring people. What will they think of next? Yeah. And of course, he's that's just great. referencing what Bruce does every single night, you know, mm-hmm. but then he tones it down. He sees that his his foster son, or whatever you want to call Bruce, is, is down, that he's not looking good, and he becomes a father figure there, you know? He was trying to play peer, trying to joke with him, and then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, 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 he's not doing good, i got to be a dad for a moment, and... That, that, that's really cool. Another point for the show right there. Um, something else that I thought was funny is both Alfred and one of the Scarecrow's goons suggest that maybe the reason the Scarecrow has uh, a vengeance towards the school is because he was expelled. One of the goons uh, says, Hey, boss, why don't you like the university? And he's like, Because they got rid of me. And he's like, What? Are not smart enough? Yeah, were you not smart enough? And then he goes into his backstory, right? And then uh, Alfred says something along the lines of, Oh, maybe Mr. Scarecrow f- uh, failed physical education and they expelled him. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of funny. The two people make the same damn joke. Um, let's see. I really liked how the goons looked. Uh, in their suits and their gas masks. It looked like the old school uh, 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 Sandman. Yeah. You know, from Sandman Mystery Theater. Um, was <laughs> it, is that Wesley Dodds? Is that the character's name? Yeah, I, I think, think so. But you know how they have the World War One or was it World War Two? whichever, gas, mat, gas masks, and they got their hats and their suits. Really cool design uh, on them. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure... That's not what they were going for, trying to reference the Sandman. It just looked that way to me. Me being a comic fan, I just happened to notice it. You know, and I just, like, some of my quibbles with this. Like, where did the Scarecrow get a blimp? I can justify... I have no idea. Right, I can justify him having a helicopter, but a blimp? A blimp. Where did he get a frickin' blimp? Well, he's not the only person to mysteriously get a blimp. Who else had one? I mean, other... uh, well, see, Two-Face had one at, at maybe twice at some point, 
and Joker has blimps all over the place somehow. You know, with a um, Joker though, I can almost justify it because I'm j- I just say he breaks into the blimp yard and just kills everybody and takes it. But with like the scarecrow, right. with the scarecrow, I can't make that same assumption for some reason. Maybe it's because he's not as crazy as the Joker. Hell, I don't even think the Scarecrow is crazy at all. He should be in jail, not Arkham. The only time the Scarecrow is crazy when he gets hit with his own toxin, and then he has to go to Arkham to kind of cool off for a while. But then he should be thrown into a normal prison, in my opinion. Yeah, what, what, is, their, what is their prison? Blackgate? I think that's the Goth- it. The Gotham prison? Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see, again, this, this episode did have a lot of those quiet cinematic moments. And when I say quiet, I mean it lacks dialogue, not the music. You know, Batman running from the rooftop from the party, where the, that the, or the charity ball that the Scarecrow just attacked. He runs up the stairs, over the roof, and he grabs onto the, 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 the tube that was connecting the dirigible to the building that was feeding the gas, and he just climbs up it. And it's, a few, it's like a minute or so before we get a line of dialogue. Again, just just really great cinematic moments there. Um, And there were two. No, there was, yeah, one or two. Both of the goons fell off the blimp, and one of them was a suicide. Do, do, Do you remember that? Well, I remember one of them fell into a tree. Right, that's the suicide. The other one, he... He and Batman were fighting well, I think the they top. used the tree to say that, oh, well, he didn't die, he just fell into a right, tree. Right, right, but hang on, hang on one second. The first one, he falls. Batman tries to catch him. He, like, puts it, if you look real closely, because at first I didn't think Batman tried to save the first guy, okay? But if you look, Batman's saving himself, but he puts his hand on to try to catch the guy, and he misses, and the guy falls and he hits the awning, and he lives, right? The second one, he gets hit with the fear gas. He's like, oh, no, I can't, get, I can't deal with prisons. i got to get out of here, and he dives out a window. Whether he hit a tree or not, that dude attempted to kill himself. That's true. Rather than be cooped up, he was gonna he jumped out of a blimp. And it's like I don't care if that dude landed in a tree or not. That was an attempted suicide on a cartoon. My yeah. God. Um, <laughs> That's true. I didn't even think about that until now. One of the things I was worried about with this episode in particular is but okay, this D V D was released after September eleventh. And when it came out, before I watched this episode, I was worried that they were going to edit what happens to the blimp. Because the blimp crashes into a skyscraper, explodes in fiery fashion, and comes crashing down. Granted, the building doesn't come toppling down, but the blimp comes crashing down to the ground. And the fact that they kept it in tells me that either Bruce Tim and company had to fight for that one, Warner Brothers overlooked it, or Warner Brothers said, hey, you know what, we believe in this cartoon enough, we're just going to leave it in there. We don't want to edit anything, because it's, it's, these, these shows are just good from top to bottom. Um, a nice little nod to DC continuity, Star Labs is mentioned in this one. Yes. Which, of course, as we know, uh, as Justice League and Justice League Unlimited fans, becomes a huge, huge element of the DC animated universe down the line. Oh, yes. And then, I really liked the ending of this one, how the Scarecrow gets hit with his own gas, and we really get to see, you know how Batman always says, you know, he dresses up as a bat because criminals are a cowardly and superstitious lot? We really get to see that come into play when the Scarecrow actually sees Batman as a giant Batman, or a man-bat, as it were. Or Bat-demon. Or Bat-demon, exactly. We get to see how people see him. You know, granted, they don't always see him like that, but they still... They, they fear this freak that's running around in this in this weird costume, and I think that really, you know, hit uh, drove that point home. 
move on to the last lap. You can handle this one. All right. Uh, well, let's see. This is the second Joker episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's taken a garbage barge and loaded it with the Joker gas, and it's causing the entire city to go insane. Mm-hmm. So Batman has to stop him. And uh, during in the course of this, Alfred ends up breathing the gas, and he's going insane, too. Mm-hmm. So that makes it even more... Uh, well, he, it's more of an emergency situation for him. Right. Um, so that's, that's about it. And he, has, and he tra- tracks him through a uh, garbage dump. Yeah. Now, my, my, my primary question with this episode is, why? Why does any of this happen? What is the Joker doing? The Joker always has a point. Even if you look, I mean, even if you hate... As, as we both do, Christmas with the Joker. Okay, I shouldn't say you hate it. I hate it, you just dislike it. Do you hate it or do you dislike it? Uh, I, I can, you could really go either way because I, I'll tell you, my grade is probably going to be very similar to yours. Okay. So you know, I did not like it. Okay, well, if you look at Christmas with the Joker, at least there was a point to the whole thing. He wanted to give Batman a present, which just happened to be a pie in the face. Okay? In this one, in the last laugh, there's no point. He's just poisoning the citizens of Gotham just to do it. And hell, well, maybe that's the joke in it all. Well, he is. Well, you remember he was robbing jewelry stores while everybody's going insane because nobody can stop him because they're all uh, mad. Yeah, but still, it's like I don't know. I don't know. I'm not saying it's a great reason, but there is a modus operandi there. Right? Yeah, he's he's doing something. Something's going on. He does have a plan, but I, I just feel like it was the Joker just wreaking havoc for no good reason. Just like, oh, we want to do another Joker episode. Okay, here we go. He's poisoning everybody, blah, 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 blah. You know, I, I don't know. This is another one. Two, two Joker episodes in, and I'm not pleased with them so far. You know. Though, again, this one does have its moments. Yeah, like Captain Clown. Oh, you can't beat Captain, Captain Clown. Captain Clown makes, makes me laugh. Just, I'm sorry. I just love, <laughs> you killed Captain Clown. Captain Clown. Yes. <laughs> My favorite line in the whole episode. <laughs> it's like, that, that's just too cool. That's just too cool. And then another Captain Clown moment, which is sadly after the death of Captain Clown, is when the Joker is riding down the chute, sitting on the cubed form of Captain yes. Clown, and he's not <laughs> saying a word, staring blankly, unblinking, too, at the camera. It very much reminded me of the, uh, the boat ride in Willy Wonka. It's creepy. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's just, you know, again, it's just people going down a tube, they're acting creepy and weird, it's, whatever, it's whatever, maybe there's no connection at all, but it reminded me of that scene, it's just weird, you know, and you just get the Joker, you just look at that, and you're like, this dude is insane, if you didn't understand that the Joker was insane before, you get it in that moment right there, Yeah. you know, um, now, did you notice the faces in this episode, like when the people are running around crying, laughing, doing their thing? Yeah, they don't have the uh, red lips. Oh, I, I didn't notice that. That's not what I'm... Oh, what, what were you talking about? No, if you look at the faces, they're much more realistic than in the other episodes. Now, I'm not talking when we're pulled back and we're seeing a lot of people. I'm talking about when you get a close-up on someone's face. Oh, yeah, you can see the tears streaming out of their face, yeah. or out of their eyes. The faces look... I mean, there's a little rubbery... I mean, they're kind of rubbery, kind of cartoony, but for the most part, there's extra wrinkles, and they look real. It oftentimes reminds me of Neil Adams' art, or Neil Adams' artwork. Like, if you look at, like, his Batman stuff, you know, that kind of had a realistic flavor. It reminds me of that, th- this episode does, at least in terms of look. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's, it's different than how all the other episodes look. The other 84 episodes look nothing like this. And, I mean, in, when you, in close-ups, the backgrounds still look the same, and the characters seen from afar look the same. I'm just speaking close-ups here. Yeah. Um, 
Well, speaking of faces, when Batman put on the uh, gas mask, he uh, looked like Scorpion or Sub-Zero from Mortal Kombat. Oh, do you think so? He really did. Okay. Me not being a huge fan of those games... Right well, over my head, you know. For the for the people who are listening, <laughs> you can go back and watch the episode. You'll agree with me. Yeah, I get you. I get you. You know, something I found interesting about this one is that the censors took absolutely no issue with the fact that Alfred saw Little Batman. Do you know what I'm talking about? Okay, think about this. Think about this. Supposedly the reason Aunt Harriet was added to the 1960s Batman show is because you had three men living together. Okay, so they wanted to add a female element to the show because, oh my God, we can't have gayness on TV, right? In this episode, though, so 30 years later in this episode, Bruce is getting out of the shower and Alfred is holding a towel for him, clearly looking at little Batman. Now, he's not, like, scoping Bruce out, and he did raise the guy from, from youth to adulthood, right? But he still sees Bruce Wayne naked. And I found it very interesting that the censors didn't say, mm, no, can't do that. Got to cut that. Got to change it. Bruce has got to get his own towel. The fact that they left it in was, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It says surprising. very surprising. Yeah, very surprising. You know. But, hey, I just like saying Little Batman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At first, I didn't know what you were talking about. I was like, huh? Yeah. And then you started saying, I was like, oh. Yeah, I mean, he's, <laughs> Bruce comes walking, and he just comes walking out of the shower, no big deal, right in front of Alfred, and Alfred hands him the towel. You know? Um, yeah. Let's see, what else did I notice here? Okay, if if you've got this on DVD, and I know you do, James, so I'm really speaking to the listeners here, I want everybody to pause this episode at 8 minutes and 54 seconds. 8 minutes, 54 seconds. Everybody in this episode, they're being poisoned with the gas. So they're all laughing and crying. They can't help themselves. The, you know, the Joker is breaking into a jewelry store right in front of a police officer. The cop can't stop him. The cop's just standing there laughing at the whole thing, right? But at 8 minutes and 54 seconds, when Summer Gleason is standing there reporting this news, okay, she's got her gas mask on, so she's safe. Pause it right there. In the background, you will see a man, a very deranged man, not laughing, chasing a woman, a very scared woman, with a stick. I don't know what's going on there. Everybody else... Is he immune to the gas? If he's immune to the gas, he's taking his time to beat the hell out of some random woman. It's like... Okay, if this were a Scarecrow episode, that would make sense, because maybe he saw the woman as, like, a giant lobster, and he's afraid of lobsters. But this is a Joker <laughs> episode where it doesn't make people go fearful. It makes them laugh. They should both just be standing there laughing. This guy has a, like, uh, it's not quite a baseball bat, but it's a little bigger than a stick, in, almost like a billy club, in his hand, and he is chasing her. And she, if you look at her face, if you pause it, she is scared out of her wits that this guy is going to crack her freaking skull open. It's it's a very weird moment that goes against everything else that is happening in this episode. Yeah. Um, so yeah, James, when we're done recording, I, you know, I, I really recommend you pop it in and pause it eight minutes and fifty four seconds to see what I'm talking about there. I believe I will. Okay. Um, what else do you have to add about this episode? While I go through my notes here. Not really a lot because I will agree this is a very simplistic episode. Uh-huh. It's there's not a lot of depth to it. Right. I mean, when Batman kills Captain Clown, that's. It's all about chasing Joker through a garbage dump. Right. And not getting incinerated. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really about it as far as the episode goes. Speaking of Captain Clown, again, the greatest character in all of TV ever, um, mm-hmm. did you notice that even Captain Clown didn't think the Joker's jokes were funny? Yeah, he just had that one face. Right. Just the one smiley face. Now, no, no, no. What I mean is, hang on. When Earlier in the episode, the Joker makes some joke about... Uh, 
the only thing he makes a stock market joke, and I can't. And he says it in front of his two goons, and they just kind of look at each other like, "Oh God!" They roll their eyes. Okay. Well, the Joker makes a similar joke after Batman's been thrown into the water. He just makes another stupid joke, right? And Captain Clown just his eyes just turn at the Joker like that was so unfunny. So I, I found it interesting that the animators had it be that the robot even thought the Joker wasn't funny. I mean, because the Joker says something, and he, the Captain Clown's just looking forward, but then the Joker makes a bad joke, and I swear, watch his eyes. They go towards the Joker like, oh, my God, that was stupid. Yeah, and I think I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I remember it just, it's like if that thing turned, if it was you in Joker's place and you weren't insane, if that thing turned at you like that and looked at you like that, you'd be scared out of your mind. Right, right. <laughs> like it would kill you. <laughs> That's how creepy that look was. Yeah. Yeah, oh, let's see, what else do I have here? Oh, the opening shot, not the opening shot, but one of the early shots in this episode where you see Wayne Manor and the sun is rising, that is, I I wish I could get that animation cell. You see Wayne Manor, and of course it looks like a giant, it looks like the Bat logo, you know, and the sun's coming up, it's very pretty, it actually looks like art. Again, just establishing the fact that this may be a cartoon, but don't call it a cartoon, call it animation, call it something else. You know, they're going for an artistic style here. It's not just, and no offense to this cartoon, but no, it's not just the Flintstones, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's not just out there to be for shits and giggles. It's out there to, to, to say something, to be something a little different. And the art style really helps in this one. Uh, another thing I did like about this episode, even though I think it's average, is, uh, remember that one smaller goon? He, like, tries to do all karate on Batman? Yeah. And Batman just sidesteps him, grabs the mask right off his face. Yeah, awesome. that is what Batman should be. Awesome. I don't like the fact that anybody... And I understand that they have to do this because you have to make everybody seem like a threat to Batman, but I don't like when your average schmuck on the street can hit Batman with a punch. I completely agree. It should not be that way at all. It should be Batman sidesteps you, hits you on the back of the head, and knocks you out, and he walks away. Yeah, because he's, he's a fucking ninja. Right. He's like... I think according to DC lore, he's like the third or fourth best martial artist in the world. I think it's like Lady Shiva, um, is, I know she's ahead of him. Uh, the second Batgirl, Cassandra Kane, is better than him. And I think, uh, what was his name? Wilson Slade. Slade is better than him, right? But I'm thinking of uh, one of the Green Arrow's son. I can't remember his name right now. What about uh, Cassandra's father? Wasn't he supposed to be better than him? Kane? No. Yeah, I don't. Cassandra Cain's he father. might be too. I don't remember about him. But what's his name? Because he's the one. Because he's the one who framed Batman for. Uh, what's her name? The murder. Of, right. Yeah. Uh, ah, what is her name? Slip my. This is my favorite Batman. Story right. But the, the whole the whole uh, Bruce Wayne murderer fugitive storyline. Right. But yeah, I know what you're talking about. What, what was it? Vesper. Vesper Fairchild. Yeah, Vesper. that's it. Yeah, he framed him for that. Right. Who is Green Arrow's son? What's his name? Something Connor? He's got that miniseries going on right now called Dragon's Blood or something like that. But he's another one where Batman has flat out said that that dude is a better martial artist than him. So Batman isn't the best martial artist in the world, but he's at the top of the list. He's in, like, the top ten at the very least, possibly the top five. So, yeah, nobody should be able to come close to him with a punch. So, And this episode did great in showing that. He just sidesteps the guy and just yanks the mask off, doesn't even touch him, lets the gas do the rest of the work. Yeah. Perfect. And he does it earlier in the episode, too, where the bigger of the goons takes, basically tries to spear him. Batman sidesteps him and lets him hit the periscope, knocks him out. Again, just showing Batman can be cool and can win a fight without ever throwing a punch. And, uh, again, I, I just love that they, that they wanted to show a different Batman in this. That he didn't have to be all punch-throwing and gadgets. He could just 
Step out of your way and you're going to hurt yourself. Oh, here's another one of my favorite lines, and it's probably one of my favorite lines of the whole series, is when the Joker says, Justice is served hot, Batman. You're going to melt just like a grilled cheese sandwich. Just the way Mark Hamill, just the way Mark Hamill says grilled cheese sandwich, the inflection he puts on sandwich makes me laugh every time. And I've seen this episode dozens and dozens of times because it was always on Fox when I was in my teenage years, you know. And now I got it on DVD and I'm watching them over and over and over again. I cannot hear that line and not laugh. And it's all because of Mark Hamill. You could not pick out a better choice for, for the Joker. You know, in this episode, they completely skim over the antidote. They never tell you how Batman saves the city or Alfred. You're right. Now, yeah. maybe we're just supposed to assume that once the gas dissipates, you know, the side effects go away, but uh, I don't see that being the case. No, I don't either, because it, he said, or the, or his, the back computer right. said, if your prolonged exposure would cause... Un, uh, permanent insanity, I think is what it's Permanent says. insanity, right. Yeah, but they never even touch on an antidote. It's just like, okay, we're out of time, Batman saved everybody. Deal with it, yeah. you know? <laughs> I guess that's why Bruce Timm said the episode's script was lousy. Ah, uh, did he? Yeah. When did he say that? Did you read it online? I read it on Wiki. Oh, uh, do you want to move on to Pretty Poison, or do you have more to say about the last lap? I'm done with this episode. It's too average. Yeah. Or below average. Do you want me to give the synopsis for Pretty Poison? Please do. Okay. Basically, uh, we get a little more of Harvey Dent here. A lot more. Well, not a lot more. But, cons- uh, you know, a lot more. A considerable amount. Right. Considering last time we saw him, he was just flipping a coin sitting in a chair. had, like, one line. But this time, uh, Bruce, we find out that Bruce and Harvey Dent are friends. Very good friends. And uh, Harvey's dating Pamela Isley, who, of course, we all know is... Poison Ivy. But what happens is, is Pamela poisons Harvey Dent because years ago when Harvey was opening uh, prison, which would become Blackgate, I believe, um, he he had a field plowed over, and that uh, made one particular flower extinct. So her being, you know, a big flower buff goes straight crazy and tries to kill him five years later, basically. Right? (laughs) Okay, uh... Why don't you go ahead with this one? I don't have a ton of notes for this episode, honestly, but one thing I, I'll say right off the top of my uh, head here. The thing I loved was uh, five years later, a better, safer game. Yes, that is awesome. That was that was funny. Mm-hmm. It really is. It really is because what's even funnier is the fact that it says a better, safer Gotham, and then there's a dude escaping from jail. Yeah. It's like the siren's going off, the chopper's coming in, and that dude's out of there. It's like awesome. Awesome. Yes. Um, should I should I go? Should you go? I feel like I'm hogging well, a lot of. No, that's alright because this is not one of my favorite episodes. It's just I don't know. It's just land to me. Okay, okay. Yeah, I think I, I think yeah. I'm looking at the score I gave this one, which we'll speak about in a little while. Um, I give this one pretty much an average score. Um, just little things I noticed. Montoya is sitting at the the desk. Yes, the first appearance of Renee. Right, exactly. But if you look at Wiki, it says that POV was her first appearance, which is not true. You know, um, but whatever. She's in this episode. She's sitting right there. She's even got a line, I think, in this episode. Yeah, because she's the one that's hauling the crook away after Batman catches him, I think. think I'm almost positive she has a line, so it's not just she's in the background. She actually speaks. Um, Let's see. Yeah, again, little things I noticed. You know, Batman takes on the helicopter with his grappling line. How how strong is that grappling line? Yeah, I've... And especially because doesn't he wrap it around a, yeah. a, a pole? Yeah, he wraps around a, yeah. like a, one of those giant antennas. Yeah, 
And then, but later, you know, you figure Bane can just tear it in half. Let's see. Again, more foreshadowing towards Two-Face. Once Batman, or excuse me, Bruce finally joins Pamela and Harvey, the, the first line we get out of Bruce, he's coming in at the butt end of a joke. He says, you should have seen Harvey's face. Which, again, is just nice little, it seems like a throwaway line, but if you know who Harvey Dent is and what he's going to become, you look at that and you go, nice, very nice, very subtle. And what that also does is it kind of, this episode and... All of Harvey's appearances, even in the Two-Face episode, which, again, we'll speak about next time we do one of these, Bruce Timmons and company did a really good job of making Harvey Dent uh, very sympathetic. A lot of the, all of the villains to date, they were just like, whatever. They were just there. Maybe we got a little origin, but they were bad guys. You didn't feel for them. But Harvey right. Dent, when he turns into Two-Face, you feel bad for him. And even when he's doing his crimes later on, you still feel bad for him. Yeah, because he's, he's definitely a tragic villain. Right. I mean, in my mind, he's he's Bruce Wayne. He's Bruce Wayne that just went a little further over the line. You know? Yeah, um, just on the other side of the spectrum. Right, exactly. So I really applaud uh, Bruce Tim and his production company for, for making him a uh, sympathetic character. Again, going back to the censors, you know, earlier we spoke about Alfred clearly seeing Little Batman. i got to say that one more time. Um, is that is one really long kiss that Pamela lays on Harvey. Yes. The fact that the censors allowed that, ooh. I mean, I couldn't even see a kiss like that uh, passing on a, on a live-action television show. Now, granted, a lot of it happens off-panel and or off-screen, and we get to see Bruce kind of going, oh, my God, <laughs> you know? But that kiss lasts... A good, at least 15 seconds. And it's like full-on mouth, like, hey, baby, stop by my place later and you'll get more. <laughs> Woo! That, that kiss is hot. <laughs> later on, when Pamela is in the parking lot of the hospital, and she, uh, you know, this is after she's seen Harvey and her and Bruce are leaving. Did you ever notice that, I never, this is the first time I noticed that she tried to kiss Bruce? Yes. I never noticed that. Now, it, it always kind of bothered me, the fact that, she, she didn't try to get them earlier. It's like, why didn't she just poison both their dinners? Because they were both in on this thing. Bruce, Bruce funded the jail. Yeah, it was a joint thing. Right, and you'd think she'd want to get them, but clearly if you watch that scene when they hug, he kind of pulls away from her kiss. And it's just a casual kiss. She's not going for that long, hot, passionate one we just spoke about. It's just like, oh, oh thank you for being here. Thank you for being such a good friend to me and Harvey. But he kind of steps aside, and that that's what gives him the clue that she's the one that poisoned his friend there. Why, why did the phrase nightshade stand out to me? That's the perfume that, that uh, Pamela was uh, developing at, at her company. Is that, is that a comic villain? I know they're Shade the Changing Man, but nightshade, it's, there's a lot of emphasis on that in, the epi- in that one little scene. I thought maybe... Well, I thought maybe there was something sticking in the back of my head. It was something that a produ- the producers, being big DC fanboys that they are, were, were trying to throw in there. Well, Wiki, Wiki says that there is a, an independent publishing company that published science fiction and fantasy books called Nightshade Books. No, I'm specifically thinking DC villain, but I really think I might just be confusing it with Shade the Changing Man. Um, and then here's where the episode, like everything up to the point where Batman goes to Pamela's um, greenhouse is fine by me. It's, it's a pretty decent episode up until then. Then after then, suddenly she's got a trap door. Why does she have a trapdoor? She's got a costume, and she's got a little crossbow on her arm. Why does she have that? 
Why does she have any of this stuff? Why is she... You know, her whole goal is to kill uh, first Harvey and then possibly Bruce Wayne. But she doesn't need a costume and trapdoors to do that. Why are they there? Why does she have a giant man-eating plant? What the hell happened to this episode? Like I said, the first half of it is pretty good. And then it just goes to the... Oh, it just gets terrible at that point. Really wish I could tell you. I, I would ask the same question. Yeah, the only good thing that comes out of this is when she kisses Batman and he spits the kiss. She says, ooh, what's wrong? Afraid to have cooties? That's funny. That's really funny. <laughs> but besides that, there's like I don't think there's anything redeeming about the back half of that episode. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, Nightshade is a flower. Okay, again, I was still thinking something with DC, but I guess I'm wrong. Huh. You know. Mm. And then here's something else. Remember how uh, I said in On Leather Wings there was that weird thing about P.S. something, something, your dog? Right. If you look at the prison cell that Pamela is in, look at the wall. There's graffiti written on there that says, kiss my, and then the letter A. And it's not. Now, it looks like kiss Maya, but it's very, it's very clear they were trying to write in kiss my ass, and they just didn't put the two S's on there. Right. You know, I was like, oh, my God. Like, again, how did the censors not see that? You know, unless they thought I, I, someone, I'm liking I'm liking these blind censors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and here's here's my my biggest gripe with this episode. How did Pamela poison Harvey Dent? James, please tell me. I guess did she have she because she didn't have any superpowers in this episode. Well, so the kiss the kiss wouldn't have poisoned him. I wouldn't think the kiss. Okay, what happened was she you know that rose that she had. She used whatever, you know, the, the whatever's in that plant to make lipstick to poison Harvey, hence the very long kiss and why she tried to kiss Bruce. Because remember she says, you know, and his fate was sealed with a kiss when she kisses Batman later on. The poison is this plant. At the end of the episode when, she was in, when she's in jail, she still has the plant. They didn't confiscate it from her. No, they didn't. It is in there with her. So she used this thing to try to kill the district attorney and they let her keep it. What is with that? Now, let it never be said that the Arkham officials are not completely incompetent. <laughs> now, I mean, I understand like Mister Freeze having that little uh, that little thing of Nora, the little ballerina. I understand that he's not going to hurt anybody with that. But this is a plant she tried to kill someone with. Take it away from her. The DA of the city. Exactly. Knows. Exactly. I mean, when when Gordon got that call, he wasn't going when he went to the hospital. Every cop in the in the Gotham City Police Department went there. Montoya got up. Bullock got up. They all went there. Everybody loves this guy. But oh, she can keep the plant that she tried to kill him with. What yeah. is that? Oh my God. So, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm done ranting. I'm, I'm totally done ranting. Did you want to say anything about this episode? <laughs> no, not really. See, I just, I just feel like I've been ranting this whole time. You know, not just with this episode, but the whole thing. Oh, there's two Joker episodes. It happens. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Um, I mean, I think it was a really good start to the series, but they, you know, it, it has a long way to go. Yeah. Oh, overall. It is the beginning. What's that? So, yeah, it is the beginning, yeah. so there's there's room for error. Yeah, and a lot of room for improvement, too. So, do you want to give our final scores for each one of these episodes? Sure. On Leather Wings? Uh, i give that an 8 out of 10. Same exact thing, same exact thing. Christmas with the Joker? Uh, God, I that one to 2.5. <laughs> I'm giving it a 3, and that's probably a generous 3. 
Really? Because I really hate that episode from top to bottom. It mainly gets points for the whole that depressing line we spoke of. Couldn't get past the title and the pie and the pie, right? So, it really, it should get two points for me. But I'm going to give it a third, just again, as I said, to be generous there. For Mark Hamill, that's right. There you go. There's Mark Hamill right there. Is the third one okay? How about Nothing to Fear? Eight point five out of ten. Yeah, I, I got to give that one a six. I think it's slightly above average. Again, as we spoke about it. I you know I, I saw it in a different light and I can maybe bump it up to a seven, but before I do that I want to watch it one more time. So maybe next time before, uh, next time we sit down to do these before we talk about the six episodes we're going to talk about, I'll I'll tell you if I bumped up my score from a six to a seven or maybe even higher. The last laugh. What do you give that one? Three point five. Ooh, really that low? Wow. Yeah, I give that one a five. Um, again, not not great, but average. Is, is what I thought. Better than a Christmas one. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I, like you, I might, be, I might be tempted to give this a higher grade mm-hmm. uh, if I watched it over again. And then Pretty Poison. Pretty Poison, just average five yep. out of ten. On the button. On the button. So This is like said, it's a tale of two cities. The first half is great, <laughs> the second half sucks. Oh, here, here's a random question I had while I was watching Pretty Poison, not to go back to that one. How come Rachel Ghoul and Poison Ivy never teamed up? They have the same goal. Yeah, they really do. I'm watching uh, this episode, and I'm like... That would be the perfect team-up, be it for the cartoon or the comics. I don't think they've ever crossed paths. Why? You know, she, she could be the perfect wife for him. You know, it's questionable if she can even die, because a poison can't kill her. Can she age? And she's in tune with Mother Earth. Right, right exactly. You know, and even if she could die, fine, he's got the Lazarus Pits to save her. They've got the same end goal. It seems like a match made in heaven right there. Rachel Ghoul and Pamela Isley, that... I, I gotta pitch that to DC. <laughs> but, oh well. So that's the, those are the five episodes for this one, right? Right. You killed Captain Clown. You kill Captain Clown! Just for that, Batman. New episodes can be downloaded weekly from worldsfinestpodcast.com. That's worldsfinestpodcast.com or through iTunes. Feedback in the form of emails and MP3s can be sent to worldsfinestpodcast at gmail.com. That's worldsfinestpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to visit our forums, which can be found at worldsfinestpodcast.com. Next time on World's Finest Podcast, we'll discuss five more episodes from Batman the Animated Series, those being The Underdwellers, POV, The Forgotten, Be a Clown, and Two-Face. For James Doe, I'm Michael David Sims saying thank you for listening to World's Finest Podcast. (laughs) 